changes water into wine. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it, where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of the miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He then, revealed, he then thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great. It's good to be uh, back with you. Let's just pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, Well, there's never a dull moment with Jesus, is there? And um, if I asked you um, which of all the miracles of Jesus you would most like to have been present at, I imagine there might be a few in this room who would choose the wedding of Cana and Galilee, when Jesus turns water into wine. 500 to 700 litres of the finest Chateau Galilee to save the host's embarrassment and to keep the celebrations going. You see, this was a disaster of astronomic proportions. For a wedding party to run out of wine was an unmitigated disaster. And it would be the groom who would get the blame, because it was his responsibility to make sure that all the food and all the wine was in place. So he committed this great social faux pas. In some cases, in fact, the bride's family was known to sue if the wine ran out at such an event. Just imagine that. Who said the age of litigation began in the 20th century? We're not told why the wine ran out, but it did. There's quite a few here who are used to catering for large numbers of people, so you'll know the challenges of getting the quantities right. And in those days, the wedding celebrations would have gone on for a week, so it would be particularly difficult to calculate just what might be needed. Maybe unexpected guests turned up for the party. Or maybe the groom was just being a little bit frugal 
and uh, saving a few pennies on the way. But Jesus comes to the rescue, not with a few extra bottles from the offie down the road by the lake, but by transforming this great quantity of water in the stone water jars into the finest of wines, which would certainly have made the celebrations go with a, go with a swing. But this, of course, is not just a great story. John, the Gospel writer, was very deliberate in the way in which he pulled together his Gospel. His mission was to illustrate just who Jesus was and what he stood for. And so we're reminded at the end of the Gospel, John chapter 20, verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so, to that end, in the early chapters of his gospel, John recounts episodes which act as signs of who Jesus was and the implications for the world. And these signs had a massive impact on the early early followers of Christ, as we read in our passage, verse 11 of chapter 2. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Just imagine being present at this great miracle. Your faith in Jesus would certainly have been strengthened. But these signs, the signs of this miracle and the others which follow, the healings, they point beyond the episodes themselves to a greater significance. And so we sing, Water you turned into wine, open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you. I'm told that uh, Johnny vetoed that song as a choice this morning because he felt it would be a little bit too predictable when his mum was uh, looking for particular options. But these miracles have two great messages for us. So let's see how Jesus' glory is revealed. First of all, they act as a sign of God's kingdom breaking in in the here and now. With Jesus' ministry, something new was happening. The dry legalism and orthodoxy of much of a Jewish religion, symbolised by the water, was being superseded by the living, dynamic, relational faith of the new covenant, symbolised in the wine. It spoke not of a life of duty and dry rule-keeping, but an abundant life. It's like the difference between law and grace, which Paul picks up so strongly in many of his letters. Now, not everyone might agree with this, of course, but but for me, a good wine wins out over water most of the time. And notice, Jesus doesn't just turn the water into an acceptable fruity red. He produces the very best, your equivalent of your Chateau Lafitte, And what Jesus offers us in the here and now is of the very best. The signs of his kingdom breaking in. In the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Water replaced by the finest of wine. Jesus does something extraordinary with the ordinary. Just as he would do something extraordinary with the ordinary disciples, that ragtag bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and others. 
And just as he does something extraordinary in us and through us, as he brings transformation and new life and new hope and new purpose. When we get a taste of the new wine of the kingdom, we want more. Just to draw a a pretty weak, admittedly, parallel. Uh, My team's been doing quite well over recent weeks. Well, not the last couple of weeks, but Bristol City dare I mention their name, they have done quite well. They've reached the the heady heights, at one point, of second in the championship. They've got to the semi-finals of the the Carabao Cup, whatever that is, beating Manchester United, the mighty Manchester United, on the way. They held their own with Manchester City a couple of weeks ago. And on Tuesday night, some people think they might even beat them. I doubt it, but you never know. But I I talk about that because it's been about a taste of the big time. And all the players and the managers and the supporters have been saying, we want more of this, it's great. And so the same is true as we get just a taste of the kingdom of God on earth. We want more of it. We should be hungry for more. That was true for the disciples, it's true for us. It's good that we desire more of God and of his provision. So that leads us nicely into my second point. The second dimension of this miracle's significance. Jesus' glory being revealed. It's not just about the kingdom breaking in to the present. It's also a taste of things to come. The miracles of Jesus transcended the natural order. They demonstrated the power of God to transform. And they pointed to the ultimate transformation, where the kingdom of God will be experienced in its fullness. Miracles and healings may not be our everyday experience. Evil and sickness and death might appear to have the upper hand. But ultimately, we're assured that these things will be no more. The victory of God demonstrated in the miracles and healings as one-off events will be an everyday reality. And that's a really important message for us to hear this week. It was quite emotional just seeing the image of Martin and Myra on our screen earlier on in Better Days. I think we've, for many of us, we've struggled over this last year as Myra's health deteriorated and as Martin was diagnosed and has gone through some really difficult times. And then last week with with Martin's death, it seemed that sickness had won. Many of us feel a great heaviness at the loss of such a, a faithful servant of Christ. A great leader, a great influence, a great mentor. But in this water into wine miracle, we're pointed to a future reality. We're pointed to the hope of heaven where the power and love of God is most fully known. The party where the wine never runs out and the celebrations go on forever. The kingdom of God breaking in then is a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven in its ultimate fulfillment. And so the death of a faithful servant of Christ is no defeat because of the final outcome, the ultimate healing. 
That's not to deny our experience of pain and loss, and many others here have perhaps others who they're grieving over. But it does put it in its full and right perspective. Those without faith would say, well, that's just pure fantasy. You're all just barking mad, deluded. But ultimately it comes down to faith. And God calls us to respond in faith, just as his disciples did. God's kingdom breaking in to demonstrate the abundant life he offers. And God's kingdom breaking in as a foretaste of what's to come. So let's hold on to those different dimensions as we go in to this week. From everyday plonk to Chateau Lafitte. Amen. And now